Genesis chapter 26. This is, a, this is an exercise in Christian living. So we should be able to see ourselves in here uh, real easy. It's digging wells and things like that that we probably don't do too much of, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can see. So there's going to be some good things in here and some bad things, and hopefully all of us can learn something along the way. A bit of a view for the backdrop of this chapter. Uh, we remember that in chapter 12, there was a famine. And so Abraham took his family down into Egypt to escape the famine. And uh, he ended up lying and saying that his wife was his sister. And Pharaoh took her, took her as his wife. And uh, God sent a plague on the house of Pharaoh and protected Sarah's purity. Um, and we come to chapter 20, and again, uh, Abraham has moved into the land of Gerar. And if you can visualize Israel, if we had a map, let's just pretend like we have a map, but um, uh, Israel is a big rectangle, and uh, on the left side of the rectangle is the Mediterranean Sea. And so down in that southern part of Israel, on that southern part of the rectangle against the ocean, is the entire area there is controlled by the Philistines. And so that area is Gerar, G-E-R-A-R. -R. And so he goes there and he lies again in chapter 20. And he says his wife is his sister. And in chapter 20, verse 12, he explains why he thinks he can do this. Uh, he says, she actually is my sister. Uh, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And so he felt like he was telling him the truth, but he was also not telling him that he, she was also his wife. And so uh, in chapter 20, a man by the name of Bimelech is the king of the Philistines. And we remember that from uh, when we studied the book of Judges, that there was five major cities that were controlled by the Philistines. And so Gerar is uh, the area, but the king of all of it is, his name's Abimelech, and he takes Sarah as his wife. And so uh, this doesn't work out well, real well for Abraham or Sarah, uh, but in this situation, God comes to Abimelech, this king of the Philistines, and he tells him the truth about who Sarah is in a dream. And so uh, again, to protect her purity, um, but we remember that when Pharaoh discovered that he'd been lied to by Abraham, and when Abimelech realized that he'd been lied to by Abraham, and that Sarah and Abraham had deceived them, they were both very upset. They were very upset. And so when Abraham left there, it was on bad terms. When he left Egypt, it was on bad terms. He didn't leave with a really good reputation. And in both situations, the Pharaoh and Abimelech were both upset because they feared God. They feared what was going to happen to them. And so they actually had a, a respect for the sanctity of marriage. Now, if the Pharaoh and Abimelech in chapters 12 and 20, if they had been honest, they would recognize that it was the, the way their people were, their culture, that drove Abraham to do something so stupid and to lie. And so the mere fact that Abraham would visit Egypt or he would visit the land of the Philistines and feel like he needed to lie so that they didn't kill him to take his wife is actually an indictment on those people. 
But I don't know if they were honest enough to see that at the time, but it's the truth. And so it led Abraham to make some very poor decisions. And so uh, what we do see in chapter 12 with Egypt and what we saw in chapter 20 with, the, with the Abimelech, and of course Abraham and Sarah in both of those instances, we see that God preserves his testimony. He will always preserve his testimony. Uh, he will always preserve his name. Um, you and I don't always get to be a part of that. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves and God has to shed us. But he's always going to protect his name. Um, throughout my day, um, it's a very unanswered prayer sometimes um, because of my foolishness, but I have a, a prayer that I repeat throughout my day. Um, not once a week, but every day and throughout my day is that I always ask God to preserve his witness in me. Um, I don't ask him to, I don't ask him, uh, you know, much outside of that. Um, because I know that if it's left up to me, we would be in big trouble. Uh, that would be a lost cause because I, I've done so many countless things to destroy my witness as a Christian. Just constantly destroying my witness, you know. And so, but I, I don't want to get put on the bench. I, uh, I, I want to stay on the team. Uh, I want to stay useful to God. And so I'm always asking him to protect his witness in me. And so when he does that, I'm asking him to overrule my stupidity. I'm asking him to patch up all of my mistakes and to clean it all up. Uh, give me another chance. You know, don't give up on me. And so this is uh, the central truth to this chapter. Because it's all about the heart of a believer and their relationship with God. So we're going to begin reading, uh, as you can see, in chapter, chapter 26, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says there was a, another famine. So uh, it's going to sound very familiar with what we just talked about. But this is a different set of circumstances, and of course this is involving Isaac, Abraham's son. There was another famine in the land, in addition to the one that had occurred in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, at Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as a foreigner, and I will be with you and bless you. For I will give all these lands to you and your offspring, and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Because Abraham listened to my voice, kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, my instructions. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Now when the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister, for he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place will kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is a beautiful woman. And when Isaac had been there for some time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from the window and was surprised to see Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech sent for Isaac and he said, so she really is your wife. How could you say she's my sister? And Isaac answered, well, because I thought I might die on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this that you've done to us? 
One of the people could easily have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech warned all the people with these words, whoever harms this man or his wife will certainly die. Now, about 90 years has separated um, Abraham going to the land of the Philistines and Isaac going here to the land of the Philistines. And so uh, there's about 90 years between this and we know that people lived quite a while after the flood. Um, I think just by memory, I think uh, Ishmael died at 137, which was younger than Abraham. And so this is later, and, but uh, it's possible that this could be the same fella. Um, Abimelech could be the same fella, but um, we don't know. It's possible that this is actually a title, kind of like a pharaoh is the name of whoever's the leader in, in Egypt, you know. We call people presidents and prime ministers and pharaohs and Caesar, you know. So Abimelech might have just been a title, and so this is a different fellow. But um, we can see from verse 2 that it's very clear that Abraham was considering going to Egypt. God told him no. We don't know how God spoke to Isaac, but he knew the answer. He was sure of what he was and wasn't supposed to do. Um, but uh, the bigger point there in that passage is that the covenant is still intact. The promises are still intact, even though Abraham has died. And so um, uh, you and I, uh, regardless, uh, faith has to be exercised in us in order for us to enjoy the blessings, um, even though a promise is there. We see here that Abraham risked um, Rebecca's purity for his own personal protection. If you've ever played chess, then you know that at a certain time in the game, it may be necessary for you to sacrifice the queen. And uh, uh, Isaac did this very, did this very quickly. Um, he had a very high, uh, high, high, uh, high view of her beauty, but a very low view of God's protection. And let me just say that, you know, all of this business of Abraham and, and these folks having multiple wives and concubines and this kind of stuff, um, all of that is wrong. It wasn't right then any more than it would be right now. It's always wrong. God established the sanctity of marriage in the Garden of Eden. And so uh, when we do read these things, we have to recognize that it may have been something that the culture would do these agricultural societies where you wanted to make sure you had as many children as you could so they could continue taking care of the estate and all this business, you know, all these ways they justify these things. And then there was this intrigue of tribal relationships and treaties and, you know, just all the kind of things that was happening. But none of that is the way God designed a man and a woman to live together at all. So it causes a lot of problems as we move our way through the Old Testament. We see that this is a bad idea, not a good one. And uh, we also want to notice that this king of the Philistines had his reaction to what he found out. Uh, when he found out that Rebekah was, was married to Isaac, he was in horror. You know, this was a bad thing. And again, if I was Abimelech, I would have to ask myself, why would someone feel like they've got to do this when they come to our town? You know. So it is an indictment 
on their culture, but it also shows that there is a conscience in this man's heart and that uh, God has it dialed in. And he's, he's working on this man's heart, this king of the Philistines. So let's continue reading in verse 12. Isaac sowed seed in that land. So basically they've, they've ran him out. They've, they've, uh, they've discovered this marriage. And the king has placed this warning that, you know, everyone's to leave these folks alone. And so he remains in the land, even after this lie. So verse 12, Isaac sowed seed in that land. And in that year, he reaped a hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. He had flocks of sheep, herds of cattle and many slaves. And the Philistines were envious of him. The Philistines stopped up all the wells that his father's slaves had dug in the days of his father Abraham, filling them with dirt. And Abimelech said to Isaac, leave us, for you are much too powerful for us. So Isaac left there, and he camped in the valley of Gerar, and he lived there. And Isaac reopened the water wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, and that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Moreover, Isaac's slaves dug in the valley and found a well of spring water there. But the herdsmen of the Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Quarrel, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well and quarreled over that one also, so he named it Hostility. And he moved from there and he dug another, and they did not quarrel over that one, and he named it Open Spaces. He said, well, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Well, let's just consider Isaac's testimony. Uh, as he's moved here to this land of the Philistines. What kind of an impression has he made? He came there uh, wealthy and even got more wealthy, but he came there uh, with deception and lied. And it was the kind of a lie that involved the king of the Philistines. So in all of the cities, everybody knew about this, you know. This wasn't a little white lie that nobody knew about. It was a national issue. If they had newspapers, it would have been in the newspapers. This was a big deal. And so how was he looked upon? And then we know that the king gave this lockdown order to leave him alone. So he, he was basically a foreigner in the land who'd caused all kinds of trouble. And now he's just getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier, and nobody can touch him. So did the Philistines like Isaac? The Bible tells us that they were very envious of him. He continued to prosper, and instead of uh, them seeing that God was blessing him, they saw him as a threat. And we remember that, you know, when he was in Egypt, when Abraham was in Egypt, uh, God intervened with a plague. He didn't do that here. And we remember in chapter 20 when Abraham was in the land of Gerar, God intervened and told Abimelech through a dream that he 